Please turn, if you would, in your copy of God's Holy Word to Psalm 128. Psalm 128. As you turn there, we do begin a new series on the Christian family or the Christian home this afternoon. It'll be a series like our Gospel Worship series. We'll begin with some principles today, and then over the weeks, we will fill in with concrete applications. And even if you are unmarried or widowed or divorced, there are principles here for every station in life. There truly are, because the Word of God really applies to all of us. And so this is not one that we tune out of if we are not currently married or have a family. Several of you are looking to, God willing, be married. Others of you are leading those of us who are married in the knowledge of what you have gone through by the Lord's help. So there are many ways in which we might consider these texts that we consider. All right, well then, with that, Psalm 128, let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. These are the very words of our God. A song of degrees. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children, like olive plants, round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace upon Israel. Amen. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that your word, your word is suitable for every, every matter in which we need to deal with in this life that your word is complete and it makes us thoroughly equipped and furnished for every good work. And so as we come now to consider practical living uh, for God in the home, we pray that you would enable your minister to preach, Father, that he wouldn't preach himself as an example of these things, but he would preach up Christ and he would preach up the word of God, which is able to make one wise, that the man would diminish behind the pulpit, but Jesus Christ would increase. And the fear of God would increase in this assembly even. And so may your spirit, may your spirit rest on all those who will now hear this word preached. Oh, Father, we pray that as our homes uh, are, are grown in the fear and uh, knowledge of the Lord, you would be glorified. And so help me preach, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, as I thought on how to begin a series on the Christian family. Uh, there seem to be many possible entry points in which we might begin a series like this. But I thought it best to begin with foundational principles, uh, no pun intended, a foundation on which we might build our homes. And there is here in this psalm this magnificent portrait of what the Christian home can be like. And so I turned to this Marvelous picture of domestic delight in the 128th Psalm. And if you are a father or mother, I suppose you've probably prayed this Psalm. You've, you've probably sung this Psalm in dependence on the Lord. Because there's a lovely image here, isn't there? A husband who ingathers the labor of his hand. His, his labors are fruitful. 
The home is a place where his wife is as a fruitful vine at the side of it. Their children arrayed together around the table as olive plants. This is a picture of well-ordered domestic tranquility and bliss. But it only, it not only pictures what can be in our homes, it also says you must take note of where this bliss comes from. It shows us the fountain of it when it says, behold, right? Boys and girls, you know enough of interpretation to know that this means take notice, right? So when you see this home in this text, he says, behold, what? That thus shall the man be blessed that what? Feareth the Lord. That feareth the Lord. In other words, the happy home must be filled with the fear of God. That's not how many books and lectures will begin on a happy family. Will it? Certainly not worldly books, but even too few Christian books. But the book of books, the Bible, teaches that this is God's truth. That the fear of the Lord is the root of the happy home. And his truth then is our theme, that the blessed home abounds in the fear of the Lord. And we'll consider that theme under the three heads on your outline. The first is the need we have for this fear. Second is the blessings that come out of this fear. And third is the exercise of this fear. We must exercise it in our homes to have the blessing. First, the need for this fear. You know, not too long ago, even in this country, the Christian man or woman was known as the God-fearer. That is how society spoke of a Christian. Even an unbeliever would say, this person is a God-fearer, whether they agreed with it or not, they would say that. Even in the Bible, that comes out of the Bible, right? Cornelius, you remember, was known as a devout man, one that feared God, and listen to the rest of it, with all his house. With all his house, Acts 10, verse 2. The Christian is a God-fearer, and his house must be a God-fearing home, and must be known as a God-fearing home. I have no doubt, in our time and place, the fear of God, in Western churches at least, is at an all-time low. And with it, then, there's no surprise that even in our churches, friends, we have disordered families. We have disordered families, because the fear of the Lord is where... Order in the family begins. You know, let's talk specifically in the Reformed Presbyterian Church. Let's ask, do we fear God as we ought? Now, many symptoms show me and show us that our churches do not fear God as we ought to. And I'm going to use just one barometer that shows that the fear of God is on the decrease. And it's going to, it's close to my my heart right now because we just went out on Friday. But evangelism is a good barometer of whether or not a church has the fear of the Lord. Because what did Paul say? Knowing therefore the terror or fear of the Lord, we persuade men. Right? If we had a fear of God, 2 Corinthians 5.11, if we feared God, we would persuade men. We, the Reformed Presbyterian Church would be out in the highways and hedges. We would be in every place, persuading men with tears, flee the wrath that is to come. But we hardly hear any persuading of men. And in many of our homes, we find we don't have the fear of the Lord. Our own children are often not being persuaded. Flee the wrath to come. 
unless you flee to Jesus Christ. So just one barometer there, evangelism. We find we know little of the fear of God. And that's not a sermon on evangelism. I'm just using it as a barometer. But consider what our first verse says about true abiding happiness. Blessed or happy is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his way. So this is why I said this series has application to all of us in every station of life. You may not be the head of a home. You may not be a wife. You might not be a mother or a father. But everyone that fears the Lord is blessed. Everyone that fears the Lord and walks in his ways, uh, happy. That's a foundational verse, and it is the key to a sanctified and happy life. And in the Psalms context, it is this key that unlocks the door of domestic tranquility. Consider for a moment. You know, I, I thought about where to begin again when I begin this series. And the temptation is, and a lot of times we begin this way, and I, I don't know if it's, it's totally wrong to do this, but what's the temptation when we want to speak on marriage and the family? We'll want to go into the Proverbs, won't we? And we'll want to pull out verses and applications on how children should be raised and how husbands and wives should relate. But what do the Proverbs teach us is their foundational principle. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1.7 and Proverbs 9.10. In other words, then, to turn to the Proverbs for child-rearing advice without the fear of the Lord is actually folly and not wisdom. The Proverbs is not a book for the worldly man. The Proverbs is a book for those who have the fear of the Lord. Let me give you one example in the Proverbs. Uh, and this is one that is warned against today by many child-rearing books. And I found out it is, and I did some research, it is outlawed by 58 countries. Proverbs 13.24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. 58 countries have outlawed spanking. This is not a small figure. And so even when somebody in the church says, you know, to spank little Johnny or Jane would be cruel, you have to ask, are they filled with the fear of the Lord? No. Nor are they filled with the Lord's compassion. Because he says to not spank them is to hate them, but to chasten them is to love them. And on the flip side, right, maybe we run that way, but we don't run this other direction. On the flip side, when the proverb says, Proverbs 23, 26, it says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. <laughs> now, there's a verse to fear God in, right? I say I must not only spank them, right, but I must ask for their heart. And I must fear God, because here's the thing too. They, I am to tell them, my son, my daughter, observe my ways. Now, is that not something that should fear you, fill you with the fear of God? That your children are to observe your ways, right? You see, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And there's not a single proverb that you can go to without the fear of the Lord and be blessed. And you would say then, if this principle is true, pastor, it ought to be observed, Right by the great men, the great family men, I should say, of the Bible. And it is. What did the Lord commend Job to Satan for? The fear of God. Job 2.3, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that what? Feareth God and escheweth evil. But do you remember what this blessed fear produced 
in the man's family. He arose early, didn't he? To offer sacrifices for his children. Why? It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Job 1.5 The man feared God and he loved his children because he feared God. This God-fearing man loves his family so much so that you think about this, right? In Job's mind, his children are ever-present. Ever-present because he's afraid that they might have offended God. He's a God-fearer. How did Jacob remember his godly father, Isaac? Genesis 31:42. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me. Surely thou hadst sent me away now empty. Parents, would your children grow up? Would your children grow up and say to others as Jacob did that you feared God? This is how Jacob remembers Isaac. The fear of Isaac was God. Could it be that when they think on the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's what, that's what Jacob was doing. He was thinking of Jehovah and he called Jehovah the fear of my father. That when your children think on the Lord Jesus, they could say, he was the fear of my mom and my dad. They always sought to honor him. They walked with him. They submitted to him with love for they, they knew that Jesus had told them, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's not just an Old Testament home that is to be feared, filled with the fear of, of God. It's foundational in the New Testament. You heard about Cornelius and the Acts. But even consider the great chapter on the Christian family in Ephesians 5. Before it speaks of marital and parental relations, it says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Ephesians 5.21. You see, the Bible through and through teaches that the fear of the Lord is foundational to the family. And the Lord, let's speak to you fathers, the Lord especially expects to be feared by fathers. I want you to consider Malachi 1.6. We've considered this in our series on Malachi. He said, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? What's the implication of that text, fathers? Should you not fear your father in heaven? Should you not fear the Lord? Could the Lord not say, if you call me your father and you will not honor and you will not fear me, why should I bless you as the father of your home? Why should your children fear and reverence you if you will not fear me, your father? So, having spoken on it, I know in a congregation like this, you probably are aware, but just in case we are not, what is the fear of the Lord? It's greatly misunderstood, and to moderns, right, it often can sound contrary to grace. But that's wrong. That's wrong. It's completely backwards. But there are two kinds of fearing the Lord in the Bible, and we must have the right kind of fear. There is a kind of fear of dread and trembling. This is the kind of fear that the demons have when they consider God. This is a fear of trembling. The fear of the unbeliever in the revelation when Christ comes and it causes them to ask the mountains to fall on them instead of Christ's wrath in Revelation chapter 6. But when it comes to the believer, on the other hand, this is the fear that comes with faith. This is the fear of faith. It's a holy, fatherly fear. The respect and fear of Malachi 1.6. 
And it's not surprising, actually, in the Bible, it is related to familial fear. Familial fear. Uh, Leviticus 19.3 shows this species of fear in the fifth commandment. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. When he says that, he's not saying that he intends for you to be afraid, right, of your father and your mother. But he's saying to be, uh, to have a sense of deep respect and honor for them, uh, to, to tremble at their threatenings, right? And, and to believe what they say and to honor them, not to be flippant, not to, uh, exert yourself over them, children, but to honor them. That's the fear that the Lord wants us to have of Him, a fatherly fear. And no wonder then that this fear is connected to the blessedness of the home. Them that honor him, he will honor in turn. Now, parents, his design is more important here than you might have considered. Because if a child will not learn to fear you, you know what their difficulty is in knowing how to fear God? There's a direct connection here. Throughout the Bible, the fear of our parents is connected to reverencing the Lord. Hebrews 12.9, for instance, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection under, unto the Father of spirits and live? You know, my parents were unbelievers, but I was taught to have a fear and respect for them, naturally. Love, yes, of course. I was loved. I was loved by them and cared for them because uh, even the Lord Jesus says, even you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. But they instilled in me a fear of respect. They were my parents, and I respected them. I praise God for that now, even though as unbelievers, because when the Holy Spirit converted me, I better understood my relation to my heavenly Father. Today, many children don't honor their parents, and they no longer fear them. And when I see them disrespect you, father or mother, and you don't ask them for the honor that the fifth commandment demands, I I fear, I'm fear, I'm watching a potential apostate who does not understand Hebrews 12.9 and will never understand Hebrews 12.9. For if they disrespect and they disobey you, if they say to the effect, who are you to tell me what to do? I fear they will tell God that. Who are you to tell me what to do, God? That's why the Bible connects Uh, the discipline of the home, to the reverencing that we have of God. Well, where does this reverent, submissive fear and awe for the Lord come from? Where does the fear typified by the holy angels and not the trembling demons come? I'll say it is unnatural to fallen man to fear God in this way. It's found only in the born-again heart, renewed by the Holy Spirit. It's the product of conversion. It is the fruit of God's grace. It is the fruit of God's grace. Never, ever forget that. It is found in the heart, right? As you know the gospel, it's found in the heart that knows that the testator, Jesus Christ, was crucified for them. They know that God did not spare his own son to deal with their sin. And if God will not spare his own son, how great our fear of God ought to be, should it not? The fear of the Lord is very much a part of the gospel. Consider Jeremiah 32.40, this prophecy of the new covenant. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from them to do them good. But what? I will put my fear in their hearts, that they shall not depart from me. You see, the grace of this fear is that you will not depart from God. 
That you would fear, right? Just as uh, this is where that godly fear you see in Peter. To whom else shall we go, Lord? There's nothing but doom away from you. That is godly fear. The fear of God is the product of a converted and forgiven heart. What do we sing of in Psalm 130, verse 4? There is forgiveness with thee. Why? That thou mayest be feared. The apostles taught this as well. When Peter taught the fifth commandment, he wrote in 1 Peter 2.17, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. How about Philippians 2.12 and 13? Work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Why? Why? For it is God who is at work, uh, which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. More scriptures could be brought to bear. I trust you get the point. We would run out of time today. The fear of the Lord is a Christian grace. It not only gives glory to God, it produces rich blessings in our lives and in our homes. And so if you hear only one thing, one thing about your home in this entire sermon series, beloved, let it be this, that my life and my home must be filled with the fear of God. What did the most blessed woman of all, the mother of our Lord, say? Luke 150, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Do you see? Do you see that? She was citing a precious psalm, Psalm 103, 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Parents, you want Christ to be merciful to your children and to their children after them from generation to generation. Grow in the fear of the Lord. And domestic bliss comes. Let's consider that in our second head, the blessings of this fear. In our psalm, the Lord shows us the beautiful product of the fruit of this fear in a home. In verse 2 of the husband, it says, Thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Here's a man, fears the Lord. He works hard to provide for his household. He's no slacker. He's no daydreamer. He works hard. He works hard unto the Lord because he fears God and he knows he is to work as unto the Lord. Then in verse 3 to 4, and he also knows, right, doesn't the, the, the gospel teach that if, if a man does not uh, work, neither should he eat. And if he doesn't provide for his household, let him be worse than an unbeliever to you. Then in verses 3 to 4, see that's the fear of God that makes a man think on that. Then in verses 3 to 4, here's of the wife, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Thy children then, like olive plants, round about thy table. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. What a heartwarming scene this is, isn't it? Scene of domestic tranquility and bliss and fruitfulness. He says, behold. He says, take note of it. Take note. Pay attention. See what can be yours. Thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. Fathers then especially, are you taking note of this? You want domestic tranquility and blessing. Have the fear of the Lord and not just have the fear of the Lord abstractly and walk in his ways, it says. Behold the tranquil scene. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. You know, your wife will be at the sides of your house, right? Uh, this verse ought to bring to mind the creation of woman, shouldn't it? Right? Taken as the helpmeet for the man. 
taken out of his side to be at his side, his partner, his helper. In the psalm, you know, if we may riff on Matthew Henry and others, in this psalm, she's not on the floor of the house, is she, to be trampled on. She's not on the roof of the house to rule over it. But in the home the Lord has built, she is a vine at the side of the house. She is the husband's helpmate as intended. Not a clingy vine, which is a nuisance to the home. Not a barren vine, which does nothing. She is a fruitful vine, and she supports the home. She makes great contributions to the household. This is the idea of the helpmeet, which we will cover when we consider marriage uh, in the future. The helpmeet. She's not slothful. Ladies, she doesn't, she doesn't scroll through Facebook and TikTok all day, does she? No. She makes worthy contributions to the home. She is fruitful. She is industrious. She raises the children and she tends to the needs of their home. You know, wives who labor at home predominantly, you know, the, those without the fear of the Lord, they might often sneer at you. They might often sneer at you. And when other women ask, uh, what do you do? I know many here are, are housewives. You're tempted to say words like this, I am just a housewife. The problem with that is the word just. I am a housewife, and I ought to be glad for it. See, I am a fruitful vine by the side of the home. Beloved woman, you are not just a housewife. Be glad. You know, I, I bless the Lord that my wife raises our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I bless the Lord that she cooks dinner for us and tends to our home's needs. I bless the Lord, you know, sometimes in the morning when I'm in my office, I've already begun the day and the day uh, started far too early. I hear her singing the Psalms with my children outside, opening the word of God with them in the midst of their schooling. No, women of faith who are housewives, do not be ashamed, but be grateful. You are contrasted with the harlot of Proverbs 7.11. She is loud and stubborn. Listen to this. Her feet abide not in her house. She's every place else but her home. Wives, it's not, and I'll talk about this another time, it's not that you're forbidden from working outside the home. The woman in Proverbs 31 is, is industrious. God willing, we'll cover her another time. But where is your primary place? Your primary place is your home to be by the sides of your house. As we think about today, in today's world, right, the, the world will tell you that your place ought to be in the cubicle, your children raised in the daycare, your family never eating at the table together. I know it's not popular to say this today, but our expectation of happiness in America is not in line with the Bibles. In a lot of ways, I think if we had, if we had biblical expectations, that would be a dreary picture to be slaving away in a cubicle all day, somebody else raising your children for you. You know, the world says that what you women need is to have a career that you can point to and say, I accomplished this. Happiness being the latest devices, two and a half cars, a big home, expensive vacations, etc. Those things are not wrong. Not always. But we are hoodwinked into thinking that is happiness. And so often wives take crushing jobs outside the home to pursue that kind of happiness and her feet abide not in her house. Her soul withers and her children withers and the home crumbles. 
We'll consider that idea of husband and wife and their roles in the future, but just to put that there as you consider this domestic scene, because here is true happiness. The wife as a fruitful vine, the children around the table as olive plants, domestic bliss. You know, I'll just be plain in this. In my experience, few homes that chase the American dream have domestic happiness. But I have been to very small homes, very small homes with few of the world's goods. But to enter the home, you think you are entering a slice of heaven. Children cheerful and respectful greeting you, a wife happy with her labors, the father hardworking, he works really hard, he's not slothful, he's industrious, he works as unto the Lord, he rejoices in his wife and his children, and he leads his home to Jesus. Such homes are filled with the fear of the Lord. I want you to hear Proverbs 15, 16 through 17. Better is little with the what? Fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox in hatred therewith. Young men and women, get that, get that right before you begin your family. Better is little with the fear of the Lord, with great love that comes with it, than great treasure and trouble therewith. This domestic tranquility built on the fear of the Lord is so different from the marketing foisted on us from Madison Avenue, friends. It really is. If you've been chasing the world's idea of happiness and you find, see, this is the thing, if you have been pursuing that American dream and you are finding domestic turbulence today, don't be surprised. That's all I can say based on what the Bible says. Don't be surprised. Grow to fear God, not what you will miss in the world, and true happiness will come. And the children in a home filled with fear are like olive plants around the dinner table. They're plants. They're not yet olive trees, but they will be olive trees. Olive plants become olive trees. The olive tree is a picture of fruitfulness in the Bible. It produces valuable oil and fruit. Jeremiah eleven sixteen. The Lord called thy name a green olive tree, fair and of goodly fruit. In time, such children will take their place in the church and become fruitful themselves. That's what this is a picture of. Engrafted into Christ, into the root and fatness of the olive tree, Romans eleven seventeen. Why does the Lord say such domestic tranquility comes when he is feared? It's as simple as this, and so much of our Christian walk could be summed up by this. He says, he that honors me, I will honor. You honor him as father. He will honor you, fathers, in your role. And I want you to consider the effects of the fear of the Lord in a godly home. We'll consider this more in future sermons. But I want to just sort of breeze you through a few things. What the effects of the fear of the Lord might be on your home. The fear of the Lord will cause you to evangelize your children and set Christ before them constantly. You, you know, we just quoted it. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade. Oh, you know, if we had the fear of the Lord, our children would never say, Mom and Dad did not plead with me to close with Christ. They did not care about my soul. And when you are tempted to violate the marriage bond with adultery, even with the temptations that come across too many of our screens, the fear of the Lord makes us flee like Joseph and say, how can I do this great evil against my God? Conjugal love and marital bliss are maintained in the home, isn't there, when the husband and wife fear the Lord. 
In the fear of the Lord, neither husband nor wife will keep from rendering due benevolence one to another as many unbelievers do, withholding what is due to the other party. It will keep you from hurting your spouse, right, in whatever way, emotional, spiritual, physical. And you say, how can I hurt one who has been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ? I would fear God. When pressured by society and mocked for raising your home in the biblical way, what will you do? You will fear the Lord and you will endure the shame with joy. When we have more than the societally acceptable, and now this number has gone so far down, it's amazing, the societally acceptable 1.93 children, and they shame you saying, do you not know how that happens? The fear of the Lord will prompt you to say, yes, praise the Lord, I do. When we are afraid of losing our children's affections, when they, when they need discipline and the world will tell you, well, you have to be first and foremost your child's friend. In the fear of the Lord, we will discipline them even though it breaks our heart. Why? Because the Lord has said, I hate them otherwise. And when we need to reconcile with our spouse or child and we need to ask, and this is humbling fathers, I hope you have had to do this. When you have had to ask spouse or even child, for forgiveness. What will we do? We will fear the Lord and our family is blessed as, as our family sees us humble ourselves before the Lord and they see that pride has no place in the kingdom and they see the grace of the Lord and they understand the gospel and they understand how they themselves must ask the Father in heaven for forgiveness for, for their sin and humility and one to another. Don't you think then that they are more prone siblings to ask forgiveness one to another? If father and mother do it, how will I not do it? And when our children are tempted to sin, if they are raised in the fear of God, they do not readily succumb to peer pressure. It just came to me this past week, but I remembered my first, my first memory of a Christian. It was in sixth grade. I was an unbeliever at the time, uh, long before my conversion this was happened. Uh, we had a class movie day, and we were to watch a, a PG-13 movie. The sweet young girl gets up in front of all her peers, uh, raises her hand with no hint of self-righteousness at all. That's not what she was doing. Filled with grace, it seemed. Now, she said, I cannot watch this movie. It takes the name of my God in vain. She did not care what her friends thought at all. Many snickered and rolled their eyes. I might have as well. But she chose the better portion. I suspect her father and mother feared God. They knew Ephesians 6, 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I pray my own children would have such conviction when it really matters. And a family that fears the Lord, they have no fear of man. They have no fear of the future, do they? They trust in God's sovereignty. They are freed to obey the Lord's ways. They know Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. They're not worried about the future. They know God is sovereign. They know to pry into the secret things is actually to not have the fear of God, but to have the fear of God means I will follow the commandments of God wherever they lead me, even if it seems it leads to my doom, which it won't. And a family that fears the Lord shows love to God and love to neighbor. 
They worship the Lord daily in their home, both individually and as a family together. They grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The means of grace, exercised in faith, transforms their home with Christ's grace. As in Deuteronomy 6, their home is filled with the word of God. And because they have the fear of God, it's not filled with the folly of the world. Yes, our psalm says, the family that fears the Lord is blessed. It is happy. Blessed in the Lord happy in the Lord, and that is what the fear of the Lord does. They taste and see that the Lord is good. And I just give all of this as sort of a flyby in ways that the fear of the Lord blesses a home. We'll consider it more as the series progresses. But you should behold, right? When the Lord says behold, you are to take note. Behold, that thus blessed be the family that fears the Lord. So we must grow in it and exercise it. That takes us to our last heading, the exercise of this fear. And let me just say, in, in my time as an elder and time as a pastor, every dysfunctional home environment I have observed, and in every counseling situation where a person struggles, uh, the same root issue is persistent. There's a lack of a fear of God. In marriage counseling, failure occurs when one or both spouses do not fear God. Uh, when we deal with sin issues, we don't fear God as we ought to. And so we, we go wayward. So how can we grow in this blessed fear and grow in domestic bliss. Let me offer eight ways to grow in the fear of the Lord. And, and these aren't going to be in-depth, but they are, again, a launching point for perhaps later. First, never forget, and I was even tempted to just breeze by this, but this fear only comes from saving faith in Jesus Christ. It is the product of the gospel. Unbeliever, you cannot have a happy home without the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's impossible. You recently heard Hebrews 12, 28 through 29, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. But what came before it? Hebrews 12, 24, you have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of, blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. Godly fear is rooted in this. My home must be covered in the blood of the lamb. My home must be covered in the blood of the lamb. That's where godly fear is rooted. Or else I say my home perishes without the blood of the lamb. It makes us seek out Jesus because apart from him, right, the terror of the law is on my home. That drives us to Christ constantly for repentance and forgiveness and the pleading of his blood for mercy. And it causes us to plead the blood of the covenant as Job did for the promises to you and to your children. Acts 2.39. Second, you need to meditate more on the holiness and glory of the Lord to grow in this sphere. Revelation 15, 3 to 4, sung of the Lamb in heaven is this, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints, who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name. For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee, for thy judgments are made manifest. When the question is asked, I think the temptation is for us to say, who should not fear thee? And you're thinking about nations and maybe that person over there. The question is, are you fearing the Lord? See, the saints in heaven still fear the Lord. The fear of God doesn't cease in heaven. Keep high and reverent thoughts of the Lord in your home. You know, just some practical things. Do not use the name of the Lord thy God in vain. 
Do not allow that in your home. Do not use him or his word, right, for jesting and joking. So many jokes are being made based on the word of God. A terrible thing. Have your heart grow in reverence for him. Speak of him reverently. Speak of him in exalted and high holy terms. Do not allow the expressions the world uses like OMG in your home. Give Christ, his ordinances, commandments, first place, not second place, and certainly not last place in your home. Grow to see the majesty of God and teach it to your children. From an early age, there is no one to be revered like God. God is not our chum. You know, I've been in, in churches like this where, where you almost feel like the people think that they are going to come up to God one day and slap him on the back and say, hey, bud. That is wicked. We have to teach a holy reverence for God to our children. We must be filled with it ourselves first. So third, ask for this fear. I've said it already. It is a grace from God. We forget it. It is a grace from God. Isaiah 33, 6 says, The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Have you ever thought of it that way? The fear of the Lord is his treasure. It is because it rectifies everything in our life if we have it. It really does. It's that foundational. Only the Lord can give treasure to you. So pray, pray, pray to the Lord. Give it to me. Pray that the Lord would be so great that I might even be known as a God-fearer, not to puff myself up, but truly that others would have the savor of Christ when I'm around them. Especially that your children would, especially that your children would see you as a God-fearer. This is what is really convicting, right? Would my children say, I fear God? Oh, that the Lord would never say this of our home. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Romans 3.18 and Psalm 36.1. Fourth, make this word your home's sole constitution. Isaiah 66.2 says, But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth. At my word. As the fear of the Lord increases then, right? Our pride diminishes. Our desire to do what is right in our own eyes goes away. We are humble and contrite, putting ourselves under the authority of the word of God. We cease coming up with our own wisdom. We tremble at the word. We hear what God says. And when I fall short of the glory of God in some area, I, I, I repent. I, I amend my ways. And I walk in new obedience. And the Lord says he looks on such a man as this. This is who he looks on. This is who he, he shines his face upon. You need to throw out every child-rearing manual, every psychology book, every worldly advice that goes against the word of the living God. Fifth, walk in holiness and not hypocrisy. It is often said, if you want to know what a man is like, don't look at him at church. Don't even look at him in his workplace. Look at him in his home. That is deeply convicting. I have seen such awful things in Christian homes that go unseen in the church that would boggle your mind. Things that truly make you weep. Heart-wrenching things. But our first verse says that the fear of the Lord causes a man to walk in his ways. If you truly feared the Lord, you will be the same here at church as you are at work, as you are in the closet, when you are in the dark room, when nobody else is there but you and God. 
Wherever you go, the fear of the Lord would compel you to walk in holiness. Here's wisdom for you. Proverbs 23, 17 says, Be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. There is a moment you are exempt from it. You are to fear God all the day long. Let no moment go by where you're not fearing the Lord, not in home and not in secret. Men, never do anything in secret that you would not do in public. God sees it. God sees it. 2 Corinthians 7.1 connects this fear to the gospel itself. Having therefore these promises, the gospel promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. What? Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Do not be a hypocrite at home. Do you think, do you really think your children will grow up to love the Lord if you are a hypocrite? The Lord knows your hypocrisy and he will dole out consequences for being one thing in public, especially at church, and another at home. Be holy at home. Yes, you live. You live by grace, but the grace of God causes you to seek out holiness. Sixth, have a high view of Christ's church. You know, a lot of issues with Christian family movements in recent years has been a very low view of the church. But apostasy is rampant whenever the church is neglected or seen as optional. The fear of the Lord causes you to be concerned with church. The blessings of the Lord here in verse 5 flow through the church to your home. Verse 5, the Lord shall bless thee out of where? Zion. Zion. Your family as well. You need to see this. You are a blessing to the church. Your family is. And it adds to the church's strength. Thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. I want my children to say that even with all her warts, right? My dad loved the church. My dad loved the church. Not this, this church, right? Which I do love. But Christ's universal church. Because Jesus loves the church. And will Christ not bless those who love his bride? Absolutely. Seventh, husbands and fathers, you are not the total sovereign of your home. Jesus is. You serve him. You are the head of the home, yes. And wives are helpmates to their husband. But both are under Christ's headship. Husbands steward the home for Jesus. That's who owns your home. The rule of your home is Joshua's. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. That's the rule. You submit to the will of Jesus as elders submit to him in the church and rulers submit in the commonwealth. So much, so many problems, right? Begin when father or mother, I suppose, believe that they run the home and they, that they get to decide what goes without consulting the king and head of the home. Eighth and last, do meditate on the great reward of the fear of the Lord. This fear is great treasure, and it produces domestic bliss. Long for the blessings of the final verse. Isn't this beautiful? Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace upon Israel. Long to see your children's children and peace on the church of God. Is there a stirring for it? Is there a longing for it? Remember verse 4 then. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. Well, what if your family is not what it ought to be? 
I would just say, do not lose hope, beloved. Grow in the fear of the Lord and implement it in your home. It's never too late for your home if you believe in the Lord. There's no room for despondency in the kingdom of God. The great God of heaven, the sovereign that we fear, the fear of Isaac, he can reverse what has been lost. How often has he done it? How often has he done what he has said? And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. In Joel 2.25. If the chastisement of Malachi 1.6 is, If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? You think in repentance then. The reverse is, For them that honor me, I will honor. 1 Samuel 2.30. Honor the Lord, fear him, and see if he will not honor your home for it. And if domestic bliss today seems elusive, grow and maintain the fear of God. It is his treasure. Grow in fear and wait on the Lord, beloved. Psalm 39, 7. And now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. That's all any of us can do, isn't it? Is hope in the Lord and wait on the Lord. But what a hope that is, to hope in our Father in heaven. So this Lord's Day, I would encourage husbands, work with your wives. Search out where your family might fall short of the fear of the Lord, especially if domestic bliss is low. You could have a family conference. There is many hours in the day. Close out your Lord's Day this way. Uh, Those who are preparing for marriage, those singles, ask yourself, how will I implement the fear of the Lord? How will I walk in that fear of the Lord? How will I walk in the fear of the Lord now? that the Lord would prepare me to to have my own home. And even if you're single or you're widowed or you're divorced, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. And your home will be blessed. Your home will be blessed. With that foundation set, we'll continue our series next time. But until then, let us rise for prayer and go to the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we call you Father, but we confess, Father, that we we lack fear. We lack the reverence we ought to have for you. And though we are not to fear you as the demons fear you, we are to fear you as we ought to fear uh, godly fathers. So help us grow in this fear. Help us obey you out of love. Help us to obey you, knowing that Jesus Christ has said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Help our homes have uh, the fear of the Lord in the first place. Have us be known as God-fearers. Father, oh, we forget what a blessing it would be to be known as one who feared God. Lord, if any here do not fear God because they don't know Christ, would this be the day of salvation? Maybe they have come here asking for domestic bliss, which is elusive. And maybe they have heard for the first time that without the gospel, they will not have true bliss. They will not see their children's children in heaven. So, Father, would you give them saving faith? May they say that the Lord is my fear, but I love him because he has given me Christ. Father, would you do this for this assembly? Grow us in fear and order our families well that we would be singing your praises, each of our homes, day by day, in the fear uh, and knowledge of God. We ask in Jesus' name.